With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Back with you once again on a Monday. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe. Rob, what's up, man? Doing well, Andrew. Uh, kind of dreary here in eastern Iowa. Not sure what you're dealing with in central Iowa, but a dreary Monday. But uh, trying to muddle through. Yeah, the, kind, the kind of the same February here. doldrums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of the same here. You know, I was on vacation last week, so I was down in, in Florida. And um, nice. on Thursday, I think it was when it was, you know, zero degrees here, maybe a high <laughs> of seven. It was like 87 degrees down there. So uh, it was it was good good time to get away. Um, Thursday, not necessarily a great night to be a Hawkeye fan anywhere in the, in the world. But uh, we'll oh. get to that. We'll get to that at some point because uh, we have a fun game. Yesterday to talk about Rob Iowa beats Minnesota fifty-eight to fifty-five in Minneapolis. Uh, the Hawkeyes improved to eighteen and eight on the season, nine and six in Big Ten play, which is good for a three-way tie for third place. And and that was a big win for for those standings. I, I saw Brendan Styles on Twitter before the game put that if Iowa wins, they're in that third place tie with Michigan State and Rutgers. A loss yesterday puts Iowa alone in seventh place in the Big Ten. So something you know we've talked about all season really is there, there's a bunch of teams kind of in that middle seems like Maryland's starting to separate itself a bit at the top and and some teams separating themselves at the bottom the the wrong way but uh, just a a big win for Iowa yesterday if only to stay in that hunt uh, near the top of the standings yeah, I agree, Andrew. And I think they're ju- just kind of the giant gorilla on the back, especially after, you know, the losses at Purdue and Indiana the, the past week and a half or so. Being able to come back on whatever it was, two days rest, uh, night game Thursday, come back Sunday. Minnesota had been off for eight days. Um, and be able to finish the game like that on the road, that was kind of a, the, a hurdle that this team really needed to clear. And, and it was good to see that Sunday for a whole bunch of reasons, you know, some of the ones you laid out. You know, I I think you started your game report on HawkeyeNation.com, which people can read right now on the website. You know, talking about how you know, changing a narrative or canceling a narrative is a really hard thing to do. And uh, while I disagreed with a lot of what was being said with a February fade, that sort of thing after the loss Thursday night at Indiana. Um, 
the noise was getting louder, and it was getting louder yesterday during the game uh, when it looked like Minnesota was going to be able to pull out that win. And you know, we we can you know, shout at the moon all we want, but uh, if if the fan base starts to feel away and and you start to slip a little bit, and it, it felt like it was starting to slip a little bit, you can give them all the reasons that that you want. You can tell them about uh, the injuries and and the depletion of the roster, and it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, and and you could say that so you're blue in the face, but. Um, the, the February fade talk was starting to get loud. I think, as you said, uh, a huge part of the win yesterday was just to kind of stop that from happening. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know how much of that, you know, penetrates the team. I would think that some of it does because they – I mean, it's just kind of the world we live in that you, you know – what's going on around you, you see, whether it's social media. And these guys are college students, too. So they're around campus and in classes, and they're exposed to a lot more than we probably think they're, you know, they're exposed to. So I think it's just, you know, just a a great confidence builder, especially the way that game ended yesterday and, you know, backs against the wall kind of there and being able to respond through another, you know – faced with more adversity in a season that's really been filled with adversity and being able to to you know come together as a team it's sometimes that's cliche but a lot of times those cliche like Kirk Ferentz says they're cliches for a reason because they're often true it's just it, it's another piece you know in what this season's been and it's been a season of watching a, a group of guys kind of come together um and really exhibit mental toughness uh, throughout this season, and, and yesterday was just another example of that. And I think especially defensively, you know, you, you come off those last couple of, of road games, you give up 104 points to Purdue, you give up 89 points at Indiana in the loss on Thursday, uh, but to, to only give up 55 points to Minnesota, hold them to 24 in the second half, and zero points in the final five minutes and 25 seconds or so. You only score 58 points on the road, and you win. The, the defense really stepped up yesterday and needed to because you know elements of the offense just weren't there. You had a stat in your column again. Iowa improved to 13-0 and this season when holding opponents to 69 points or less, and again, held Minnesota quite a bit below that. So to see this team kind of step up defensively on the road was, was a really good sign. Especially when you consider the the fatigue uh, aspect of it, Andrew. They had played, I believe, that was their fourth game in eleven days, and we talked about you know Thursday night being on the road in another time zone, coming home, having a short turnaround to go to Minneapolis. It's a rivalry game. It's on the road. It's against a team that really needs a win. A team that you beat by twenty points earlier. A lot of things working against Iowa, but they didn't let any of that affect it, and that's. You know, that's it's admirable. It's it's it really shows kind of what this team's made of, that they were able to do that yesterday. And, you know, I saw people I think it may have been Scott Docterman from The Athletic, and he's been around the team as I have for a lot a long time, you know, calling it one of the, you know, gutsier wins in, in Iowa during the Fran McCaffrey era, which is you know, the last decade. And I would agree with that, because that's just just you don't see that a lot, especially in this league on the road. I mean, it's much easier to just kind of – I don't say much easier, but we we often see the home team rally at the end of games like that. And, and Minnesota 
you know, put its run together. It had an eight-point lead there with five minutes to go, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't think, uh-oh, here we go again. They hit the two threes in transition. I'm like, ugh. They had been good. I had been so good at guarding the arc all day, and then they come down and hit those two threes. Credit to Iowa. It responded. You know, Iowa really had to fight that that second half after, you know, Garza comes out with two fouls at the end of the first and and Minnesota puts that run together to take a lead. Uh, Iowa down most of the second half really had to fight to get that tie. And then, as you said, that 8-0 run from Minnesota. And that felt as you that that felt like the dagger. I mean, there there were um, five minutes left, but it really felt like this Iowa team might not score eight more points all game, let alone, you know, stopping Minnesota from scoring again. Uh, But Iowa able to score. Score eleven, uh, give up zero, and and go out on that win. And some of the some of that adversity, and you think you just need to kind of list it sometimes to to realize, you know, no CJ Frederick, and we'll talk about him in a few minutes. Joe Wieskamp had an off day, you know, two points. That that's about as bad as we've seen him play. Uh, almost stopped shooting at one point. You know, it was just one of seven, I think, from the field. Didn't hit a three, obviously, with with just two points. Luca Garza in foul trouble all day long. I mean, really, uh, other than the first. What few minutes of the first half where he had all of Iowa's ten points, he was scoreless for a, a huge chunk of the the rest of the first half, and then in foul trouble in and out of the game throughout the second half. Iowa had been blown out in the last two road games. The Indiana game was, I think, only a twelve point loss, but it, it was worse than that, or at least it felt that way for for much of that night. Uh, talk of that February fade was getting louder, and as you said, for a gutsy team, and we we've used words like this all season, Rob, when talking about this team, you know, gutsy, gritty, tough, all this stuff. I, I think you're exactly. Right, and I saw Scott Docterman tweet that same thing. I think the gutsiest win certainly this season, maybe of the Fran McCaffrey era, and and that's saying a lot. And I saw a couple people on social media, you know, hey, you'll pump the brakes here. That was a twelve and twelve Minnesota team. It's not that big of a win. That that was a big win. I, I don't I don't think we're overplaying this. Uh, for you know, on paper, if you're just looking at numbers, not a huge win, but. Uh, it, you put all of the what I just listed into perspective. You talk about how hard it is for teams to win in, in the on the road in the Big Ten this year. I, I think that was a really really big win for Iowa yesterday. I'd agree. I and mean, you look at it. I mean, Minnesota had beaten Michigan and Penn State at home, and won at Ohio State. You know, beat Wisconsin at home. It's not like it was it, you were playing Northwestern or, or Nebraska on the road and. Man, that Nebraska loss still. I, yes. I, I it just I get flashbacks on that one, thinking ah, <laughs> if they had just won that ten and five, they would be in better shape. But nothing you can do about that, and that's kind of just one of those games. But I just thought yesterday, Iowa really needed. Um, sometimes I hesitate to call them role players, but maybe the periphery guys, the guys that you don't lean on as much to play well. And I thought Ryan Creener was excellent. And particularly, I know people tend to look at offensive statistics. His defense on Daniel Oturo, Mm. you know, one of the better big men in not only the Big Ten, but in the country. Guy was averaging 21 points and like 12 rebounds. He got held to 15 points and really never got going yesterday. He hit some tough shots, too, to get to that 15. And Creener was on him a lot during that game, especially once Luka got in foul trouble. They didn't want to put him in danger anymore. Um, And Iowa did play zone and and mix defenses up, but Creener did a really nice job. Bakari Evelyn was really good. The two free throws down the stretch on the road like that and just stepping up ice in his veins and hitting those free throws late – and then 
you know, I know he caught a lot of heat last week. Some of it was deserved, and I was disappointed in him. But Cordell Pemsel came back from really, you know, an embarrassing situation and was really, really good yesterday in the minutes that he played. So those three guys, you know, when Wieskamp had an off day offensively, still had eight rebounds. Um, Garza was fighting foul trouble. And, and Connor was really good, too. I mean, he had seven assists, no turnovers, uh, hit that big three that tied it at 47 before Minnesota went on the run. Um, just steady pieces. Just guys, everybody kind of contributing to the cause. And with, with the short bench, that's what you need. And, and, you know, Evelyn especially, it seems like he maybe he's starting to find some sort of a stride here late in the season. He you know, had nine points against Indiana in, in 27 minutes. Um and yeah, so I, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. I, I liked how all those guys played another solid game from from Connor McCaffrey. And these guys are going to have to continue to step up as we're not sure how long uh, CJ Frederick will be out. Um, you know, you hope you don't see another another tough offensive game like that from Joe Wieskamp. And it's just it's impossible to. It's impossible for me to like be down on that kid. It's impossible for me to. I, I almost hesitate to even say like had a rough night because I, I just I like him so much and I know that he's you know, how hard of a worker he is and, and how good he is and how good he can be. You just you, you hesitate to be critical of him, but you, you do need him to step up a little more than that offensively if, if you're going. Um, typically, if you're going to win a game, and then Luca Garza. I mean, what what more can you say about Luca Garza? Uh, Twenty four and eight. Uh, as you put in your column again, another stat there, he extended his 20-point streak to 11 straight Big Ten games, and that streak of 11 consecutive games is the most by a Hawkeye in 49 years, most by a Big Ten player in over 20 seasons. Uh, he, he's, I mean, it certainly seems like he's he's the Big Ten player of the year, maybe the national player of the year. The, the kind of frustrating thing yesterday that I felt, and I'm sure a lot of Hawkeye fans did, I, I certainly saw it on on uh, Twitter during the game, on social media, was was the fouls. Um, uh, the, a lot of consternation with the refs. Some of those fouls were ridiculous. That fifth foul was a, a crazy call. I mean, I don't I don't know what they saw there, what they thought they saw, uh, but. The the auto benching of of especially of Luca Garza, but really you know Fran has done this for years and, and it's gotten people upset for years. You know benching him for the final I think six minutes or so of the first half with two fouls. Uh, at one point I even tweeted on the Hawkeye Nation account maybe nine or ten minutes left in the game, uh, and Garza had three fouls. Maybe he had just picked up his fourth, but it was it was like just leave him in until he until he fouls out because the, there was no offense other than him for, for a huge chunk of that game. The, the auto-benching players, does that, does that frustrate you the way it seems to frustrate a lot of fans? I don't know if I've just become accustomed to it. Right. But it, I just – I expect it, so I, it doesn't bother me as much. And he, Fran will – you know, he will loosen that rule if he feels like he needs to. And he did that yesterday once Luca had four fouls. I believe he put him back in, um, and I could be off on this, or somewhere around in that 8 0 run. Yeah. He got him back in there. So um, he did. Yeah. I, you know, I, because I think it was the first half he had. He had Garza, Pemsel, and Toussaint all with two fouls, and he had them all on the bench, and I saw them all sitting there together. They looked like they were in detention because they knew that they weren't going back in in the first half. 
I get it. I, I understand the frustration with that. And it's kind of, you you know, he doesn't want to take that chance. And, and I know it's, I just think it's easier if you're sitting home on your couch or in the stands to Certainly. say, hey, take the chance. And then if he does that and it backfires on him, there'll be people, you know, getting on him for that. But I do understand that. And then the timeout situations when he yeah. doesn't use timeouts when the other team's making a run sometimes. This season, I'm a little bit more lenient in the timeout criticism just because he uses some of those to get his guys rest because he has such a short bench. But it's just like, as we talked about from the top, Andrew, February fade is a narrative. (laughs) The two foul thing and the timeout uh, kind of tactics that Fran uses, those are things that just kind of are Fran. Those are things that you know if they pop up during a game people are going to jump on them and I, I, that's just kind of where we are. Yeah, and, and you take the good with the bad, you're right, and, and you're exactly right. I think you, if you if you're getting frustrated about those things, uh, at this point, it's kind of on you because, as you said, it, you just have to come to expect this. And we may be talking about the coach of the year in the Big Ten. You know, these final five games will we'll play a lot into that. But uh, he's this is his best coaching job as a in his time at Iowa. I think uh, with all of the adversity that they've been thrown and and where they are at this point in the season, um, it's it's been spectacular. We'll talk about those final five games and and kind of what we expect from Iowa, what we need uh, from Iowa to get into that that top four and get that uh, double buy in the Big Ten tournament. But before we do that, Rob, we haven't talked since that rough Thursday night in Indiana. It was 89-77 Hoosiers. It it felt worse than that, uh, especially once C.J. Frederick left the game with an ankle injury. Any update on that? I've I've seen some you know a variety of things. Uh, Tim Miles said something yesterday on the broadcast about the bruising of it, but that he he didn't think maybe it, maybe it didn't quite look like a high ankle injury as as was uh, you know initially reported. It's so hard to know with CJ because we thought he was going to be out for weeks and weeks with that stress reaction in his foot, and he came back much quicker and uh, and really looked like a hundred percent a lot faster than than any of us expected. So he may be a quick healer. Um, you know, I guess first of all, any update and uh, what what is your? I guess my goal for CJ at this point, unless you tell me something great in in some sort of update that I haven't seen yet, is <laughs> I just want him healthy in three weeks ahead of ahead of the Big Ten tournament going into postseason play. Uh, but but I know that you've you've looked into this a little more than I have. Any updates on him? I haven't been in contact with his uncle Joe since last week. And, and at that point they were, you know, they were all kind of reeling a little bit because of the severity initially. And, um, but as his uncle explained to me, CJ's, and and I think we've seen that this year, he's a tough kid and he's going to, he'll be in treatment 24 seven whenever he can be in there to get it better. Um, they thought initially it was a high ankle sprain. I did hear what Tim Miles said yesterday. I'm not sure how accurate that was. I know there's bruising. They list him as day-to-day. Um, I would be surprised to see him Thursday, not shocked against Ohio State because it is CJ. And as you said, we thought his season could be in danger with the stress reaction in his foot, and he only missed two games. So it's kind of just kind of we'll wait and see and see how it heals. There's just no definitive timetable on an injury like this. Uh, would be interesting to see maybe um, a week from tomorrow, Tuesday, I believe, is their next game. They only have one game this week, so 
if he has this whole week to rest, maybe that following week, I think maybe they're at Michigan State that following week, yep. I, I lose track. Yep. So, you know, that obviously would be a big game because they're tied with Michigan State in the standings, uh, battling for, you know, the double bye. If he's good enough to go, maybe that's a game where you get him on the road and uh, he can really help you there um, because that's, that's going to be a key game for Iowa, obviously. So... I would just tell people to just kind of – you're probably not going to get any answers uh, on, you know, in a definitive timetable on something like this. We just kind of have to wait and see. That Fran loves to list guys as day-to-day, and we all are. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, as you said, you know, I don't expect CJ to play Thursday uh, at home against Ohio State. But yeah, then then you have the weekend off, and then that Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, Tuesday game, February twenty fifth at Michigan State. That would give him almost two full weeks of, of rest if you you know go back to last Thursday, um, just under two weeks. So so maybe that is. Uh, maybe that is a, a possibility there, and then you have a the, you know the rest of that week off until Saturday when you're home against Penn State, which will be another big game in the standings. Um, quickly before we kind of look ahead to these games, I want to give the uh, the weekly John Miller update. He's as he's uh, he likes to send us <laughs> stats. Uh, he sent us this this morning. Big Ten home teams are 72 and 28. That's according to Ken Palm. 12 of those 28 home losses have been Northwestern or Nebraska. So just 16 wins by road teams in Big Ten play, not playing those two teams three quarters of the way through the through the league season. That's pretty incredible. And it shows just how tough uh, it is to to win on the road. It shows that you know getting blown out by Purdue, uh, losing badly at Indiana aren't season enders by any means. And it also shows that a win at Minnesota uh, and you know maybe pulling off a win in these next two games would be just huge, huge wins. Yeah, and it's you know winning on the road all over college i think it's it's pretty pronounced too in the missouri valley conference if i remember correctly yes. i was i was reading something on that it's pretty pronounced in that league isn't it it is yes i, I don't have the stats exactly but yes it is and I think that's just kind of the 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 kind of the state of college basketball right now, where if you look at this season overall from a national perspective, just parity and teams being so close that that home court advantage just is the extra nudge that a lot of these teams need, and uh, that's why it's going to be so important. And I know we'll get into this more for Iowa to win these last three home games, and then if you can get one of those on the road at Michigan State or Illinois, all the better. But to at least win the home games and get to 12 Big Ten wins, really important. Because I think big picture, you want the best seed, obviously, in the Big Ten tournament, but then you want to look ahead. And I think if we look at it now, I was probably on the five line uh, for the NCAA tournament right now, five, six, probably in there with a chance to get probably to four. Um, so big things on the table for Iowa still. And um, the good thing about those postseason games is uh, they're not going to be on the road. They'll be on neutral courts. And you know, Dave Schwartz has a good piece right now, HawkeyeNation.com, uh, on why road games are, are so tough. Uh, go, go check that out as well. Okay, so looking ahead. Iowa sits tied with Rutgers and Michigan State at third in the Big Ten, nine and six. You have Ohio State Thursday coming to Carver Hawkeye Arena. Your next Tuesday at Michigan State, a tough, tough place for Iowa to play historically. Uh, Saturday the 29th, you're home against a good Penn State team. Tuesday, March 3rd, you're home against Purdue in a revenge game. And then Sunday, March 8th, uh, three weeks from yesterday, at Illinois in a game that really still feels like it's going to have a lot on the line. Uh, Maryland looks like the class of the 
league. Uh, they're what eleven and and four now, or eleven and and three. 11 and three. Uh, so you know, I, I probably expect them just you know, looking at their schedule quickly. They'll probably go, you know, win four of their final six. They go fifteen and five. I, I think they're, I think they're the favorite, you know, certainly to win this league at this point. And Penn State, you know, three and three in their final six games gets them to thirteen and seven. That's probably good for for second place. So if if we're looking at that as kind of the bar, if Iowa can go three and two, as you said, win these three home games, you lose the two on the road, that's twelve and eight. Is that enough? Is that enough to get to that that top four? Um, I, I I don't know. Rutgers has a really tough schedule. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but I I remember I, when I looked at their schedule, I was like that they're not getting ahead of Iowa. They're the opposite of Iowa. They have three on the road and two at home, and they've just been pretty much unbeatable at home. And the good thing against when when you match Iowa up against Rutgers, Andrew, is Iowa owns the tiebreaker there, having you know won the lone head-to-head meeting this yes. year. Um, so, you know, that's kind of and and we talked about Michigan State. That road game is yeah. the only meeting between Iowa and Michigan State this year. So you have to start to look. And is it a three-way tie? Is it a four-way tie? <laughs> what type of tiebreakers come into play when you're you're talking, you know, more than two teams? So really, the picture will just continue to become more clear as we get farther along. But Rutgers is at Wisconsin, at Penn State, and at Purdue still. So uh, tough road for them. Tough road for them, and I think home against Maryland. And, and as you said, they've been tough at home, but uh, that's a good. Maryland team that's certainly not a, a, a definite win for Rutgers so I, I think um, you know if we're, we're going to stay optimistic here I think Rutgers probably as, and with the tiebreaker for Iowa um, that's probably not the the main team you got to look at uh, competing if you're looking here. at a sneaky team watch out for Wisconsin yeah I, I, they have a very favorable schedule they, they do they could get they could get <laughs> to 12 and eight. they could get to 13 and 7 um, they, they, they don't play a ranked team I don't think here here on out uh, they have a what four of their last six I think are at home. Um, I think you're exactly right. If you're talking about a sneaky team, one that people maybe aren't talking about right away right now, uh, they may be the team to jump up and, and compete really for for one of those top four spots. Yeah, and I'm looking at their schedule now. They've got. Purdue, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Northwestern at home, and then they're at Michigan and at Indiana. So, I mean, that's, that's six you winnable know, games. You don't expect them to win all six, but that's six winnable games. Yeah, and they're and Wisconsin's playing pretty well right now. So, like I said, we'll just kind of this is going to be a week to week, you know, day to day, game to game thing for all these teams and. Uh, the trend has been, as we talked about, for the home teams to, to have a lot of success. And we'll see if that continues down the stretch here because I think that's probably what decides this thing, Andrew, is can some of these teams get you know wins on the road? And yeah. that's beyond Maryland and maybe Penn State who are at the, you know, a couple games clear right now. But for that, that next rung, can, can any of those teams get a win on the road and, and protect home? Nice to uh, have that tiebreaker over Wisconsin also. Another team yes. I would just place once this season. Looking at Michigan State now, they're at Nebraska, then that home game against Iowa next week, at Maryland, at Penn State, home against Ohio State. So a tough, tough final five games other than this game at Nebraska um, this week. That's that's a tough, you know, especially that three game stretch. You're home against Iowa, and then at Maryland, at Penn State. Um, Michigan State's going to really have to kind of step things up more than they have. You know, you think maybe three and two uh, if if they beat Iowa at home. Um, 
So that would be that would put them at twelve and eight with the tiebreaker over Iowa, um, and that so so that Michigan State game obviously for Iowa becomes huge. Yes, the the one plays are big in that regard, but then again, if you know it's Iowa. I don't know what Michigan State's done against Wisconsin this year. Are they, are they a one play? Yeah, they beat Wisconsin in the in the one play with Wisconsin this year. So they, if it were a three way tie between those teams, Michigan State would have the tiebreaker. Mm. <laughs> so this is going to get real interesting, isn't it? Actually, no. They split with Wisconsin. They lost at Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So that I, I don't have any idea how that tiebreaker would work when you have you know Iowa would have would have beaten Wisconsin and lost to Michigan State and then Michigan State and Wisconsin would have split I don't know how you shake that out Illinois then eight and six right now uh, and and again they have a, a fairly favorable schedule here um, they, they have a tough game this week that's what tomorrow night. Uh, at Penn State, so you know, probably chalk that up as a loss for Illinois. But then you're home against Nebraska at Northwestern, one of the places where uh, win road wins are kind of gettable in this league. Home against Indiana at Ohio State, which is maybe a, a toss up type game, and then the final game. Uh, three weeks from yesterday, home against Iowa in what I expect to be a dog fight. Um, the, those are four winnable games, I think, if you take out that Penn State game. So that, that Illinois-Iowa game on that final Sunday, we've said it for a couple of weeks. We said it you know, in the aftermath of the, the game in Carver-Hawkeye Arena a couple of weeks ago. That might be for that, that final fourth spot and that final double bye in the Big Ten tournament. That's, uh, that really feels like it's setting up to, to be the type of game that, uh, that really I think we all want it to be. It would be, be nice if Iowa didn't have to go into Illinois and win a game to get that, but for a rivalry to to kind of um, regrow in this series between Iowa and Illinois, man, that would be fun to have everything on the line for that game. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of the games will have been played. Iowa, I think, might be the last. Iowa, Illinois, might be the last. Yeah, that's game a to Sunday play. night game. It's six o'clock tip, so it probably is. Yeah, because Michigan State plays host to Ohio State on that day at I think two thirty Iowa time. Mm. But um, so we'll, we'll I, probably know when that game tips off. You know, yes, we'll know what the significance is because that's a six o'clock or five o'clock tip, I think, here. Okay. Uh, in the Central Time Zone, so the Michigan State game won't quite be over yet, but we'll still have an idea because I think those are the only two games on that Sunday, the last Sunday of the regular season. So <laughs> uh, that will be <laughs> that will be have everybody on the edge of their seats. A lot. That's what we like, right? It, it, we didn't it think is. this it, was going to happen this year. Nobody thought this was this. We were going to be in this position with exciting basketball. You know, heading into the middle of February, going towards March. This is this is good stuff. We haven't had this a lot here in the last couple decades. So uh, enjoy it. Soak it up. That's exactly right. Yeah, a lot left to be decided. Be decided. I was going to have to play well. You know, whether or not CJ Frederick is back quickly uh, will, will be an interesting thing. And then who who can step up in his absence? Obviously, it all starts Thursday night at home against Ohio State, where you really do need to protect your home court. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. I uh, want, want to get this in here. The uh, the Iowa football recruiting event for the Polk County iClub will be here in Des Moines uh, this Thursday. It's Thursday, February 20th at the Front Row Bar in Clive. That's 99th and Swanson Boulevard in Clive. That's where Joe Schmelka and I did the Hawkeye Nation radio show each uh, each Thursday during football season. It's in that VIP room in the back of uh, of the Front Row. If you haven't been there, check it out. It's such a cool spot. It's it's like a Hawkeye museum. I mean, I've been there you know, more times than I can count, and I still feel like I haven't seen everything in that place. Uh, but recruiting coordinator Tyler Barnes will talk about the uh, incoming recruiting class and he'll answer the questions, any of your questions from 6 to about 7.15. Uh, there's no fee. It's it's free, and all Hawkeye fans are invited to attend. Uh, you don't need to be a member of the Polk County iClub to uh, to come to that event. Again, that's this Thursday at 6 o'clock at the front row. There will be an iClub board meeting uh, following that. And then there's a game watch because that's that's that game Thursday against Ohio State. So it'll be a fun night at the front row here in uh, in Des Moines and Clive this Thursday for the Polk County Eye Club uh, recruiting event. And again, all Hawkeye fans are uh, invited to attend. Rob, some wrestling happened over the weekend. Iowa didn't just beat Minnesota in basketball. We beat Minnesota in wrestling as well. It looked pretty good do- doing so. And uh, and that win gave Iowa the, the outright Big Ten regular season championship. So that, that's a cool thing that hasn't happened in a few years. And, uh, and this team really seems like it's rolling right now. Yes. And... Um... Still unbeaten, top ranked, um, just kind of plugging along here and um, got off to a little bit of a shaky start the other night, uh, and, but was, you know, able to kind of pick up the pace as the as the duel went on and, and really just run away, as you said, just run away from Minnesota. Um, and uh, the, one of the um, interesting aspects is, uh, the freshman heavyweight Tony Cassiope was really rolling along, and he had two. He's had two big bouts the last two duels for Iowa. He he got pinned by Mason Paris at Michigan, uh, and then lost to Stevenson the other night. The two guys that are ranked ahead of him. So I'm interested to kind of see how he responds to that. This is new for him, um, and he looked like he made progress from the match against Paris to, to wrestling Stevenson the other night. Just got caught late, and, and give the kid credit for Minnesota Stevenson. He wrestled a good match, but I'm interested to see how Tony will respond to that when we get to Big Tens. Iowa's got one more duel left. They they wrestle um, Oklahoma State, I believe it's next Sunday evening. Yeah. Um, so that'll be the end of the duel season, and then they then they kind of get ready. They start to prepare for the Big Tens, and then obviously the national tournament up in Minneapolis. So uh, getting down to the nitty gritty and we'll see if all this buildup from this season getting back on top if they can hold and pull through for for the end when uh, it matters most yeah and then good to see Austin DeSanto return after uh, he missed a couple of duels after that knee injury he suffered against Penn State uh, the, you know at 133 pounds and then he had a big win um, yeah, tech fall I believe um, yeah uh, over over Minnesota so that it was good to see him get get him back as you said as we head into the final duel against Oklahoma State this Sunday evening that that should be fun in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Always fun when Oklahoma State comes to town, um, and then it's on to the postseason. Big Tens, March seventh and eighth. Uh, elsewhere, 
Uh, the Iowa men weren't the only ones who had a rough Thursday night. The the Iowa nope. women at Maryland, yikes! That that was, <laughs> that was their that was their at Purdue. That, yes, it was exactly. Uh, but but they were able to exercise some demons yesterday against Wisconsin, a ninety seven seventy one win for a thirty fourth straight win at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Just incredible. Yeah, and just continued the domination over Wisconsin as well. I'm not sure how many in a row that is against Wisconsin, but I know it's a lot. And uh, kind of like the men, Andrew, they they resilient, you know, just have a really awful night in a big game on the road against Maryland uh, and just be able to respond and come back yesterday and, and win the game that, you know, in which they they uh, recognize and, and honored, you know, the breast cancer awareness and, and a great scene at Carver every year when they do that. They wear the pink uniforms and uh, it always helps when you get a win on that day as well. So they, they have the, the rest of this week off until Saturday when they uh, they are host Penn State um, on Saturday afternoon and then uh, wrap up the regular season with a couple of games uh, home game again uh, against Minnesota the following Thursday and then March 1st a Sunday game uh, at Rutgers before the Big Ten tournament begins for the uh, the Iowa women and the, and the women sit third right now so they're in pretty good they're in pretty good shape for that double buy they Maryland's one game ahead of them, and they split the regular season series, and then they've got Northwestern one game ahead of them as well. And then Indiana's two games behind them in fourth place. So positioned pretty well to get that double bye, and that's uh, that'll be important for the Hawkeye women as well. Well, we, we're not going to talk much football, not a whole lot to talk about right now, but uh, th- there are some other sports to talk about as, uh, as baseball and softball season have begun, Rob, and uh, the Iowa baseball team got off to a, a pretty good start with two winning two out of three uh, over the weekend uh, in, in one warmer climates than than you and I are in (laughs) snowbird classic (laughs) in Florida meanwhile it's like negative degrees here. (laughs) so yeah they uh I think it was that they were I saw some some of the social media for Iowa baseball they were tweeting it was 80 degrees or something down there so uh, and they took advantage of that. I, and I think um, what was really nice to see is the Friday game, the Friday starter, Jack Dreyer, who uh, missed most of last season, the left-hander. I believe he's from maybe Waukee. He's from somewhere out yeah. central Iowa. Um, but he missed most of last season with, with an injury, came back and just was dominant on Friday. And that's really good to see I mean, in doing the uh, in covering the media day. A few weeks ago for Iowa baseball, Coach Rick Heller was really high on this pitching staff and its depth. And if Jack can be that Friday starter and everybody kind of falls in place after that as it happens in college baseball, this team has got a a good chance to do some good things this year because I I agree with with Coach Heller. They have some really talented depth in the pitching staff. And uh, on a side note, uh, I saw Baseball America, Andrew, has Michigan ranked number one in the country. First wow. time ever, I believe, in the 40 years of that poll that a Big Ten team has ever been ranked number one in the country. So uh, <laughs> Michigan, I believe, beat Vanderbilt the other day. They, they had a really good weekend, a good enough weekend to push them to number one in the country. Uh, which is great for Big Ten baseball. I, it's it's tough to it's tough to compete as a cold we, you know a cold weather conference. So many disadvantages. So it's kind of good to see the Big Ten and kind of get into that national spotlight a little bit. So it gives and 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 that gives Iowa op- an opportunity if it has a good season to get into that. You know, years past they kind of you know if you were a fringe team they would lean towards maybe more warm weather. 
um, programs, but now the Big Ten's breaking through a little bit, and it's nice to see. It is that 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 is cool. Dreyer, a Johnston kid, by the way. Uh, okay. So yeah, yes, here here in Central Iowa. But yeah, it's it's been so much fun under Rick Heller to, to have some interest again in, in Iowa baseball and uh, something to pay attention to there. And then and then softball, they won three or four over the weekend in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, swept Boston College Friday and Saturday, and then split with Georgia Tech uh, Saturday and Sunday. So so the uh, the softball women off to a good start. They had. Um, they had won, I think, four of their first five games and then took three of four over the weekend. So, so they're off to a good start as well. Yeah, and that's good to see, Andrew, because we, you know, you're an Iowa fan and you remember when uh, Coach Blevins really – I mean, Iowa was a premier program in the, in the country for softball and kind of fell on tough times when, she, when Gail left. Um, but it looks like Renee Gillespie has this thing going in the right direction. She really had to rebuild, but she's really shown progress in the last couple of years. I'll be interested to see how they do this year because Big Ten, Big Ten softball is usually pretty competitive, so it'll be interesting to see where the Hawkeyes kind of fit into that picture. Final thing, Rob, is, as we seem to do each, uh, each and every week here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast, we get a little piece of news right at the end as we're closing it out, and that is the AP poll, the men's basketball poll. Uh, that has been released for this week, and and Iowa is up one spot from 21st to 20th. So uh, jumps up one spot with that win over Minnesota after the loss at Indiana. And uh, Thursday night in Carver-Hawkeye Arena is going to be a matchup of ranked teams as Ohio State moves into the rankings wow. at 25th. So Ohio wow. State ranked 25th. Uh, so number 20, Iowa against number 25, Ohio State Thursday night. Michigan State still not ranked. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State both receiving votes. Let's see elsewhere in the Big Ten. Maryland up a couple of spots to 7th. Penn State up four spots to ninth. So two top ten teams uh, from the Big Ten Conference, and then uh, nobody else ranked until Iowa at 20th, and Penn, or Ohio State, rather, at 25th. So, uh... Fun times, man. Fun times yeah. to be ranked. The computers like this. really like Ohio State. I noticed that this morning when I was going through the because Iowa moved up two spots with the win yesterday in the net rankings to 28th. I thought they may maybe slide up a little more than that, but it's tough to know what else is going on around the country. But Ohio State's 18th in the net rankings, and that surprised me a little bit. They're seven and seven in the conference. Uh, what's their overall record? Uh, looks like 17 and eight. So not, not bad overall, but, um, you know, that, that surprised me. So Thursday's really a a nice game for Iowa. And I, I believe all the, all the games we talked about this last week, the rest of the games are all quad ones and Iowa has seven quad one wins already to its credit. Going to be a fun few weeks here, man, to finish out this basketball season. It's always fun spending some time with you, Rob, and uh, on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Of course, check out HawkeyeNation.com. Follow Rob on Twitter for all of his great work all week. Refresh your podcast feeds uh, frequently as we've got new content coming constantly. And, uh, man, it's just uh, just ha- have a good week. Let's have some more fun. And uh, you and I will get, get back together a week from now and hopefully talk about a, a big Iowa win on Thursday night. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for listening. Go Hawks.